0: Welcome to Two Open Doors, the podcast that explores our power to open or close the doors of relationship with the important people in our lives. We hope you'll learn from and share your wisdom with our community. Thanks for joining us. In Episode 3, we explored the nature of human relationship and focused on how emotional relationships work. We noted that the developmental psychology framework provided by attachment theory gives us valuable clues about how we've learned to relate to others. In this episode, we dig further to unearth the four styles of childhood attachment and the corresponding four styles of adult attachment. Understanding our attachment style and history is an important part of our attaining the self-knowledge that we discussed in episode two. That also provides a foundation for the deeper dive that we'll be taking into learning how to connect deeply with the important people in our lives. So, what is attachment theory? We aren't born with the ability to relate to others. Infants don't have the self-awareness that's needed for relationship. They don't even realize that there are others outside themselves. Infants need to learn how to relate. The ability to connect and interact with others in relationships is what's referred to as attachment. So how do we learn to relate? Well, it seems sensible to think about the infant's earliest connection with another person, its main caregiver, usually its mother. That's the perspective that attachment theory takes. That theory was developed by psychiatrist John Bowlby in the 1950s and 1960s, He proposed that healthy attachment, or mutual connection, between an infant and its caregiver was crucial for the infant's social and emotional development. In the 60s and 70s, psychologist Mary Ainsworth studied early interactions between infants and their mothers, providing much information that reinforced Bowlby's ideas. These days, the theory is well-established and widely embraced, although some researchers note that many factors other than primary giver interactions also shape a child's developing attachment patterns. In Two Open Doors, we're interested in attachment theory because our adult ability to relate to others probably depends on how we learned to relate during our earlier years. And attachment theory squarely addresses the evolution of our attachment processes. How does attachment work? When a helpless infant expresses its needs, such as crying to be fed or changed, its caregiver can respond in one of four ways. The mother or caregiver may be present and attuned to the child, and she or he may respond by actively and effectively figuring out and filling those needs. For example, a mother may see that an infant is squirming and crying a while after feeding, prompting mom to conclude that the infant needs to be changed rather than fed or burped. She may then promptly and smilingly change the infant's diaper. As a second sort of interaction, the mother may usually be present when the child complains, but she or he may not respond effectively to satisfy the infant's needs. She or he may not be able to figure out what's being asked for or may not care enough to respond promptly. As a consequence in either case, The child's needs are not reliably and quickly met. A third possibility is that the caregiver is often away from the child or does not return to the child when it complains. When the caregiver does respond to the child, she or he may be effective in satisfying the infant's needs. However, the infant may learn that responses from the caregiver are unreliable. And the fourth possibility is that the caregiver's presence is not reliable and that even when the caregiver does respond, The child's needs may not be adequately met. In some admittedly pathological cases, when the caregiver does respond, she or he may just punish the child rather than satisfying its needs. Perhaps this is a young and inexperienced parent who is overwhelmed by the infant's noise. An infant, in these circumstances, may learn that not only is the caregiver unreliably available, but that she or he will probably not satisfy their needs and may even give them a cause to fear the caregiver. Infants, in each of these four scenarios, can develop a different form or style of attachment. Let's look at these styles. In case one, the infant develops secure attachment. He or she learns that they are important and valued enough that the caregiver will respond to their needs the child can further learn that a caregiver's responsiveness will effectively satisfy its needs. Such a child can then feel safe and secure enough to see the caregiver as a shelter or a secure base, as it's often called. That safety frees the child to explore and interact with its world, including other infants. About 65% of the U.S. population is estimated to have a secure attachment style. In case two the infant can develop ambivalent attachment, one of the three forms of insecure attachment. He or she may come to believe that they can't rely on the caregiver. This leaves them feeling anxious or preoccupied due to uncertainty about their caregiver's presence or their needs being met. And this uncertainty can make them clingy. They may also be angry over unmet vital needs. There are two different ways. which infants can react to their ambivalence about their care. Resistant ambivalent children feel sufficiently empowered to protest their inadequate care by crying and making a fuss to demand attention. In contrast, passive ambivalent children have given up on getting the care that they need, but they've also given up on being able to force better care out of the caregiver. They feel ignored and helpless. It's estimated that about 10-15% to of the U.S. population has this attachment style. Case 3 describes avoidant attachment, the second of the three insecure attachment styles. Infants with this style have learned to expect little from their caregiver, who is either not reliably present or is inadequately responsive even if present. Such children tend to detach from their caregiver, perhaps in an effort to see to their own needs, which, of course, a child is incapable of doing. They can become emotionally distant and uninterested in exploring their environments. Perhaps about 20% of the U.S. population falls into this attachment style. And finally, in case four, we have a disorganized or disoriented attachment style, the third form of insecure attachment. It's disorganized because the infant doesn't know what to expect from its caregiver, who may themselves may either manifest or or cause fear, and who may be either detached from or excessively intrusive in interacting with the infant. Such an infant can show signs of feeling helpless, passive, and non-responsive, showing signs of depression and anger or frustration. About 10-15% to of the U.S. population shows this attachment style. Interestingly, about 80% of maltreated youth show this attachment style, perhaps reflecting the survival mode in which they're forced to live. So, what can we learn from attachment theory? It doesn't take much imagination to surmise that how we learn to relate in our earliest relationships, that is, with our initial caregiver, is likely to at least strongly color how we behave in our later relationships. Attachment theory proposes that early interactions lead the child to form an internal set of expectations about its world. Is it a friendly and nurturing place, or is it a place of danger and deprivation? Are those we interact with likely to value and respect us or disrespect and fail to value us can we trust others or not these deeply internalized feelings and beliefs greatly affect how we behave in our later relationships to take these thoughts a little bit further it is the case that each of the childhood attachment styles has a corresponding adult attachment style first Securely attached children evolve into a state of secure-slash-autonomous attachment as adults. Such adults have learned how to interact respectfully and mutually supportively with others. These adults also value the support and validation that attachment can provide. Securely attached adults are interdependent with their partners. They are supportive and empathic toward their partners, but they are also open and willing to be vulnerable with partners when they're the ones in need, they're not afraid to reach out to their partners for help and comfort. With this sort of approach to partnering, there's a mutual feeling of support, acceptance, and welcoming. We've seen that there are two substyles of ambivalent attached children. Resistant ambivalent children can become anxious preoccupied adults. They may value the benefits of human connection through attachment but they may also be trapped in or preoccupied by the past, including past relationship disappointments. They may also be angry, also perhaps due to past disappointments. Passive ambivalent children may become fearful avoidant adults. Such people tend to feel anxious, fearful, and overwhelmed or helpless in their relationships, and their emotions can be moody or unstable. This can result in rocky relationships that are overshadowed by abandonment fears and in which sharing intimacy is difficult. Third, avoidant children can evolve into dismissive-avoidant adults. Such people tend to show little interest in or valuing of the attachment that comes with a relationship. They tend to be aloof, detached, and withdrawn, and they can be rejecting of others. They can be emotionally unavailable, distant, and unreactive toward their partners. In their effort to maintain an illusion of independence, adults with this attachment style can end up being unable to participate in any real connections. And fourth, disorganized disoriented children can become unresolved-slash-disorganized adults. Such people tend to be focused on past traumas and have difficulty with establishing or navigating any adult relationships. What we can conclude from all of these considerations is that attachment matters, and attachment can change. Since we're interested in deep connections here in Two Open Doors, we ought to consider what attachment theory teaches us about our adult relationships. As we've already noted, childhood attachment styles have corresponding adult attachment styles. Despite their having somewhat different names, the adult styles carry the beliefs and emotional attitudes of the childhood styles into adult life. Trust or distrust, feeling valued or not, believing that our needs can be met or not. Those certainly carry over into our adult lives, and they remain centrally relevant. This quick tour that we've just taken through attachment theory suggests that there's real value in our thinking about our own past, and in how that may be shaping our present. At the same time, it's important to recognize that we're not predestined to approach our adult relationships in a particular way just because of our early attachment experiences. We can learn, and we're capable of change, if that's what we desire. The first step, though, is awareness. We can only change the things that we become aware of. If you'd like to dig deeper into attaining earned secure attachment, As adults, there are many valuable and useful resources available online, as well as, of course, through well-qualified mental health professionals. You can start by reading an informative and hope-filled article that was published in the July 21, 2015 issue of Psychology Today. See the article, Finding a Secure Base and Rewiring Your Personality, by Hal Shorey, Ph.D. Where do we go from here? Two Open Doors is focused on deep human connection, what that is, and how to strive for it. In our next episode, we'll get the lay of that land by cataloging and describing some of the many earmarks of a deep human connection. We'll also explore how to invite deep connections into our lives, including floating some ideas on how deep connection relates to community building. Please join us. To learn more about Two Open Doors and to engage with our community, I'd like to invite you to visit our Two Open Doors website at twoopendoors.com and the Two Open Doors Facebook group. Finally, I invite you to contact me directly by writing to me at claude at twoopendoors.com. I'd love to hear from you, and I'll use your inputs to guide my work on future blog posts and podcast episodes. Thanks for visiting Two Open Doors.